Hi everyone! Thank you for joining us! This is... Are These Books Ooh! <laughs> yes, 2021! Yeah, I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. And I'm Mariana. This is your book club with a twist and we are your happy hour girlfriends. This month, we are reading the oh-so-popular The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. First book of 2021, ladies! Yeah! I gotta say, I'm already hooked, and I'm loving visiting fictional old Hollywood. Yes. So, chicas, 2020 is over. Thank God. (laughs) And we definitely (laughs) powered through our last episode. Hey. Or we kind of tried. I don't know. (laughs) I'm very much looking forward to what this year will bring each of us and eager to find out what changes will take place. Here's to our star, formerly known as Evelyn Elena Herrera, who lives her truth throughout this gem of a novel. I'm ready for you, chicas. Let's go. Right. I'm really tickled by today's cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, this is one you're going to want to try at home. Ricardo whipped up this creative cocktail for us today. It's called, It's Not What It Seems. (laughs) Based on our chapters for this week, he was inspired to make something that looks like something other than what it tastes like. Mm. Inspired by Evelyn's dramatic change in appearance and presumably identity once on the Hollywood rise to stardom. Here to share the recipe for the sneaky sipper is our sexy drink slayer, Ricardo. Ciao ragazze, welcome to the bar. Hola. Hi. How are you? Great. Wonderful. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks, Mariana, for asking. Finally, I got to ask. Thank you so much. You meet Brandy. Yeah. I did. So, the cocktail of today, it's an experiment that I tried many times yesterday, and it's called It's Not What It Seems. Like our character, but I'm going to let you talk about it. Uh, The ingredient of these cocktails are one ounce of tequila. You can use Blanco or Reposado. I I recommend for the Reposado. One ounce and one quarter of dark rum. Half of an ounce of fresh squeezed lemon juice. One ounce of pineapple juice. Egg white or my friendly fee foam uh, uh, bottle. And soda water, ginger ale, and angostura bitter or a spicy bitter. I use the spicy bitter because I like the spicy bitter, but you could even use the angostura bitter. I didn't give you the exact uh, amount for the soda water and the ginger ale because it it will be used for just the topping of the cocktail and it's a matter of taste. So let's go deep down in the recipe. It's called, it's not what it seems because it's gonna look like a beer, but it's not beer. What? So... It's beautiful. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So we put uh, the spirits, the juices, both lemon and pineapple, the egg white or the foam if you're doing the vegan version like I did, the angostura slash the spicy bitter in the cocktail shaker with ice and we shake it. We strain the cocktail up, so not on the rocks. We shake it up on a long glass. I use the calling glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not enough to, to do it in a pint for a beer glass, but it's the, the calling like pretty much gives you the idea of a beer glass. Right. Yeah. You're gonna look. You're gonna see that the cocktail is pretty short. Uh, it will arrive like about three quarter slash a half of the length of the calling glass. We're gonna top with, I personally top with an ounce of soda water and the rest approximately is like an ounce and a half slash two ounces of ginger ale. Mm, You can go even, so one and a half and one and a half. You can go just ginger ale or you can go just soda if you don't have ginger ale or if you don't like uh, the taste of it. Mm. 
I use ginger ale because again, it gives you this amber color to the cocktail. Mm. But please use good ginger ale. If you use ginger <laughs> ale. What's a good ginger ale? I love Fever 3. I, I mm. use their products already like in, in other cocktails in the podcast. Okay. They're like a little bit pricey, but they are like way better than pretty They're much any, any other competitive product on the market. And as okay. far as the spirits are concerned, do you have any suggestion for the brand, for the uh, dark rum and the tequila, Reposado? I use Casamigos Reposado yeah. for the tequila. Nice. I like it. And Ricardo, in the past, you've told us uh-huh. to dry shake yes. egg white. Do we need to do that with this? No, because uh, it, with the pineapple, uh, it's gonna create the foam anyway. If you oh, okay. and the problem with dry shake and pineapple, with egg white and pineapple, it's that probably the f- if you dry shake it, the foam is gonna become like super dense. Oh, and the huh. good thing about this cocktail is once you top with the carbonated agent, that could be the soda or the uh, the ginger ale, the foam will slowly raise to a level that it actually seems beer. If the foam is too dense after like a dry shake uh, it can be potentially like half of the cocktail that is just like dance foam okay it's delicious but we don't want that much of it no and please don't (laughs) use a straw brandy because you don't drink (laughs) beer with a straw you are getting called out (laughs) left and right wow I would never I love that foam (laughs) so hope you enjoyed the drink uh, and alla vostra salute ragazze fabulous grazie Riccardo ciao thank you Riccardo much appreciated Bye. Bye. All right, ladies. Salute. Salute. This drink is really cool. I have to say, it really does look like beer. Yeah, it's beautiful. Especially with all this foam on top. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, it's not. (laughs) You know I love foam on a drink. Do you now? I do. It's the one time I will be okay with not drinking with a straw is when there's foam. Oh, drink. I didn't know that about you. She likes a foam. (laughs) (laughs) All right, foam freak. Okay. (laughs) This week we meet Monique Grant, a lowly puff piece writer at the glossy magazine Vivant. Monique's boss informs her that she's been specially requested by acting legend and one-time it girl Evelyn Hugo to do a cover piece, presumably on the memorable gowns she's auctioning off to raise money for breast cancer research. But Evelyn actually wants Monique to write the one and only tell-all book on Evelyn's life to be published only after she dies and which will belong completely to Monique, though Evelyn refuses so far at least, to divulge why she selected Monique for the task. We learn about Evelyn's mother's death when she was 11, her father's increasingly heavy Mm. hand, and we hear about two of the seven husbands. Mm. Poor Ernie, whom she marries to get to Hollywood, and goddamn Don Adler, Mm. (laughs) the movie star she hitches her wagon to in order to make her own star shine a little brighter. Mm. And just as Evelyn is finally getting to do the movie she thinks will earn her the respect she deserves, she forges an unlikely friendship with a young actress she dislikes because she admires her. Maybe, Celia says, she can help Evelyn become a better actress, and Evelyn can help her become a movie star. Mm -hmm. Wow. It was quite a start to this book, y'all. I have to say, I want to hear your theories. <laughs> Why the hell has Evelyn chosen Monique for this right? extremely financially lucrative, life-changing job? Do you guys have any clues? I know, it's insane. I don't have clues, but I do think it's going to have something to do with Monique's dad. Mm. I know. I wondered the same. I know that her mom said that, oh, there's no way because he didn't interact with the film stars, but I don't know. I... My gut says that there's some relationship between Monique's dad and Harry Cameron because Harry seems to be the guy that Evelyn feels most affection toward. Agreed. True. And so I feel like if there's anyone that she wants to say honor, it would be Harry. And so I wonder if that's the connection. I just don't know how. Huh. 
Interesting. I didn't even think about Harry. I do agree with you about Monique's dad, who was a stills photographer for motion pictures. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about Harry, but men do play a huge part in Evelyn's life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking maybe Monique's dad had something to do with her movement forward as a star that we yet don't know about or somewhere throughout her career he made a huge impression on her mm-hmm. yeah. maybe saved her from something that's what I thought too I wonder if it wasn't some romantic entanglement but maybe he's just a good decent person yeah. who really pulled her out of a bad situation true because he does seem like he is a very kind man or was a very kind man mm-hmm. but I also yeah. do I do think that there might have been a possible romance and he could have potentially been the one that she loved because Mm. we are still we need to Monique at some point at the beginning asked her when she started interviewing her who is the man that you did love and Evelyn doesn't want to kind of divulge the the the, right actual man so I'm wondering if it might have been him but they Mm. ultimately couldn't be together or one more thing that I'm thinking Evelyn might need some emotional relief because she might be undergoing some physician-assisted suicide. Do you know that? Oh. Yeah. Because she wrote that very poignant story that that's how she became very popular. And a lot of people, like, really right. appreciated what she, the light that right. she brought out to this kind huh. of assisted suicide. That's a good point. So I don't know if maybe. That hadn't actually occurred to me. Especially since she says that she wants this to do this before she dies. And after she dies, that's when they want to release this book. So. Right. I don't know. And she has also, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember how recently it happened, but we do know she has lost her daughter. Right. To breast to cancer. cancer. Or right, cancer. To breast cancer. Right. Which seems to be the only sort of real link she has left, the only thing she has left tying her to life life in a way, which is terrible to say. But, like, it might make sense what you're saying, Mariana, that maybe she's looking to tell her story before she pulls the plug. Yeah. It doesn't feel to me, though, that she is someone that's, like, unhappy with the life she's living. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, but I do... I think that there's some huge secret that she has that mm. she know would mm. people would like come for her oh. if it came out while she was alive. Interesting. And I think because, as you said, Mariana, the way that Monique told this last story of the other piece she wrote, I think Evelyn knows that she won't like cut her to shreds for for exposing the truth to her i think that for some reason she trusts monique and that's Mm -hmm. why i think it might be a combination of how she wrote that last piece but Mm -hmm. also the tie to her dad i think that she's got some dark Mm. secretive shit under there i agree and i can't wait to find out what it is secrets secrets this woman so i also learned um because when i first started reading the book it occurred to me that I hadn't thought to think if this was based on anyone's true story because mm-hmm. I know it's a fictional book. Sure. But it turns out it's it's loosely based on the life of Elizabeth Taylor, who was married right. eight times to yep. seven right. different men, which I hadn't yep. known. Yep. And right. Ava Gardner, who had three husbands, who were Frank Sinatra, Mickey Rooney, and Artie Shaw. Just <laughs> fun fact. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. The badass bitch. And Big she time. was... Spanish, is that right? But also, but similar to Evelyn, changed, changed her, her name so she could become big at Hollywood mm. to become a star. Yeah. yeah, it's not what it seems. It's Take not a what drink. it seems. <laughs> Cheers! Cheers! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm also. I was also wondering as I started to read this how the author is able to use real titles of movies like Anna Karenina and 3 a.m. Yeah. That was weird to me because I had to look them up. Yeah. Like those are actual real films that she's pretending Evelyn was the star of when clearly she wasn't. So I don't know. Just for like copyright reasons, I was like, I didn't know you could do that. I wonder if they're old enough or something. I don't know. But it That's does a good kind question, of, though. I mean, using those films, though, does place, it gives us an idea of actually how big she was. Like, if we can imagine uh-huh. her as the star of those films, yeah, it does help paint the picture of who she is. 
Did either of you see Ryan Murphy's, the Netflix series, Hollywood? It came no. out right as quarantine started. Right, as the pandemic. I forgot about that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, which is, it, it was interesting. I, I watched it with Andrew and we binge watched it, I think within two days. Oh, I think wow. there were eight, oh. or eight to ten episodes. I was obsessed and it oh, was wow. so interesting that most of it, even though it is a fictional drama, a lot of it came from nonfiction about what uh-huh. ho- old Hollywood used to be like and the secrets that were never told. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And was told through these fictional characters or non-fictional characters. It was fascinating. And as soon as I started reading more into this book, I was like, wow, like I'm fascinated with that world, with that era and mm-hmm. everything that we thought that was, but really wasn't and how it came yeah. to be. It's mm-hmm. so fascinating. I think there's a lot of darkness too from so that area. I feel like we tend to remember it as like this glitzy Glam. Yes. Hollywood glamour. Exactly. But like I remember reading a book about Marilyn Monroe who was, I mean, poor thing. She didn't have very many years of actual success, but what mm. little success she did have, obviously she blew up and was huge, but she was heavily medicated by these studio doctors whose interest obviously was in the studio, not Mm -hmm. in her well-being necessarily. She was massively underpaid for what what she was worth and what she brought in Mm. uh, and for what her legacy left behind. So I'm really curious to see where Evelyn's story goes and whether whether she's going to expose a lot of that. Yeah stuff that you know dirt that got swept under the rug because she had to literally transform herself the studio owned her and she had to but it sounds like she was very willing with willing to do it (laughs) to do that Yeah. yeah i mean there are a couple of moments of moral flexibility going on in this book so far. (laughs) Monique is hiding from her boss the fact that she's not really writing a front page piece for their magazine. Mm -hmm. And so far, Evelyn has, as she puts it, traded her virginity to get to Hollywood. And she's divorced poor Ernie Diaz the moment a movie exec tells her it would be in her favor to be seen around town with some male stars. So they both seem to be living by Evelyn's philosophy that in life, nothing is given. Mm-hmm. You have to take it and you have to be ready anytime opportunity arises. I found myself wondering what you ladies thought of that. Are you rooting for these women in those moments? Are you troubled by those moments? Are you okay, Oof. Emma? <laughs> Jack you just need visited me under my legs and it really scared me. <laughs> I thought you spilled your drink everywhere. Oh, no, no. Jack is just, he wants to be part of the conversation. Aww. Cool. I actually, I mean, I wanted to ask something like a similar question of you two because mm-hmm. yeah. it's something we've never talked about as actresses. You know, mm-hmm. how, what, um, what games we would play or how far we would go to get that Mm. level of fame or just to take the next step in your career, you know? I mean, I was deeply disturbed. (laughs) (laughs) I was deeply disturbed reading that she was 15 and Ari was 48. Mm -hmm. Or no, she was 17. Still, she was underage. She was underage. And she was having sexual relations with a 48-year-old. Yeah. Ugh. It's, it's, uh, It's a tricky one because part of me was like, well, she knows what she wants. She's going for it. Yeah. And the other part of me was like, but that is so wrong and disturbing. And she's basically selling her body. I know what you're saying, but I was a little bit like, well, yes, it's wrong of him. Of him. Completely. But he he asked her and he thinks she's of age. I find that very difficult to believe. But according to her, he does ask how old she is and... Yeah. Her body and her what people want from her seems to be something that from a very early age, she's willing to trade for something she wants Mm -hmm. or needs in return. It doesn't seem like something she holds too much sanctity for in the way that maybe society tells us we should. Right. Yeah. Well, she realized very early on that sex was something valuable, was her power, Mm -hmm. pretty much. Yeah. And I don't know, I feel like, again, going into this whole old Hollywood era, I feel like it was a given. It was a given that these things happened and they were all kept under wraps. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people had to play the game 
just to get far because these high executives, the the elite, this is what they were used to. Like there's a quote here. It turned out Ari had a fetish for orally pleasing underage girls. So that was kind of a given. It just seemed like that was just happening left and right. Yeah. So to your question, Emma, it's it's kind of like what Brandy was saying. It's it, it's a moral dilemma in a way. Like, what what do you do? What would you do now? This actually reminds me of something that I had forgotten about that I didn't think about when I was reading it. But three months into me moving to New York as a very young 20-something woman, I was working as a hostess at a restaurant and this gentleman came in, and I checked him in. I don't know that I've ever told either of you that. Oh, my I God. I'm starting so, to sweat. My heart is racing right now for Should you. I need another sip? <laughs> Should I take another one? Yeah. I mean, why not? Okay. So this gentleman comes in. He checks in for his reservation. And I was like, oh, yeah, your other party's waiting downstairs. And he pauses is looking at me for a very long time. He's, like, really, like, looking deep into my eyes. And I was like, right this way and then he was like you look very familiar and I was like oh I mean I don't know like I just moved here and he was like are you in the industry and and I was like yes and then he was like have you been on were you in something on Broadway recently so then I was like oh okay so he's tied into that world somehow but I was like I I knew that there was nothing I had done that he would have seen me in And then he was like, have you auditioned for Bored to Death in the last three months? And I was like, no, but now I'm getting a clearer idea of who he is or what he does. And he was like, okay, well, I don't know. I feel like I've seen you before. I showed him to his table. He had dinner. On his way out, he checked in with me and he was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I've like, I've seen you before. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you because I have a really good memory for faces and I had never seen him. Yeah. And he was like, do you have a business card? Now, 22 <laughs> year old Emma, who had just moved <laughs> oh, to New York, carried business, business cards, cards on me. So I was <laughs> like, yes, I do. <laughs> so I gave him my business card oh. and I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe I just moved to New York. I'm about to make my big break. Like, mm. this is going to be it for me. I'm going to be a star. <laughs> so mm. I, you know, and then he leaves. The next day, I'm checking my email and I have an email from him. And the email says, hey there, this is so-and-so, the guy you gave your card to last night. Look, I'm sure you gave me your card for purely professional reasons, Oh, God. But I'd love to take you out for a drink. Hmm. And I was like, no! And I threw my phone across the room. I was so pissed. I was like, how could I be so naive to think that, like, this would be it? Hmm. But the email had his full name. No, you're not naive. He's an asshole. He's taking advantage. Well, I Googled him because the email had his full name. And he was the producer slash writer on a very popular HBO series. Mm. And I was like, well, (laughs) so I thought to myself, I mean, would it be the worst? And so I wrote back to him, yes, I did give you my card for purely professional reasons, but I don't see why we can't go out for a purely professional drink. And then we ended up courting each other for months after that. He actually ended up being like a really wonderful person and we had a great time together and I really, really loved his company and nothing professional came out of it. it. But I had forgotten that and it sounds like nothing grimy came out of it either. Nothing grimy came out of it. It could have, but he was actually lovely. But um, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I had forgotten about that, you know, because if it had if it hadn't been nice, would I have continued that relationship to possibly move up? Maybe that's what I was doing initially. That's why Mm -hmm. I responded to the email. Mm And I I do think that that's the kind of sad predicament that Evelyn is caught Mm -hmm. in is that while I think she knows what her power is and while I think she empowers herself to use that to get herself wherever she needs to be, I do think it's very fucked up that the world she lives in forces her to make that decision. You know what I mean? Because men like Ari exist... Yes, she knows what she can do to get to the next place, to get to the next level, 
But at the same time, like, why the fuck? Which you have to. Does a guy to. like Ari get to get away with that? That's mm-hmm. disgusting. What's interesting, though, is that she got to Hollywood by playing the game. She exactly. married someone who she was she not at all interested yeah. in, but she knew that was her ticket to stardom. Mm-hmm. And they paid him off. So right. Hollywood knew exactly what they were doing when they paid off her first husband so then she could actually be with someone that they would create right. this whole fabrication of well, a relationship like that would said, sell stories. She knew what she was doing when she married she him knew. to get to Hollywood. Yeah. And she sort of justifies it by saying, well, he's never going to, he knew he was never going to get to marry a beautiful girl like me. Hmm. And I knew I would never get to Hollywood without him. So yeah. she kind of, at least in her mind, it was a it's an even trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like an even trade. I don't know if he would see it that way, but. Mm-hmm. Evelyn does. does say being wanted meant having to satisfy. Yeah. But I think on the mm. flip side of that, I think. If there's something you want, you also have to satisfy. Yeah. There's a trade. There's a trade. Yeah. So I read in an article that the writer uh, Taylor Jenkins read, mm-hmm. she's worried a lot in the past about making her female protag- protagonist likable. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm sure each of us has heard, not just as actresses, that, you know, you have to be likable on screen, but even just as women, mm-hmm. like, you can't be a bitch, mm-hmm. quote right. unquote, bitch. You have to be a likable person. But of writing Evelyn, she said, I know there are people that are going to be very put off by the things that Evelyn does. I wrote her with the intention to be honest mm. and not the intention to be liked. She goes on to say, my guess is that most people, regardless of whether they like her or not, will respect her. That's another thing that as I get older, I'm realizing can be diametrically opposed when it comes to being a woman. Being likable and being respected are sometimes something we have to choose between. She says, as I grow as a person, Mm. I'm trying to err towards the latter, that I would rather be respected than liked. Mm. And I think my characters are going in that direction too. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was so hugely powerful a thing to say and when i read it i feel like it it really summed up the relationship i was starting to have with evelyn where i was like i'm questioning a lot of the things that you're doing and i don't know if they're you know morally repugnant or fine Mm -hmm. because you're pulling yourself out of poverty and out of this terrible situation with your dad like you know who's to judge one way or the other what you say is right for yourself Mm -hmm. I think what she's saying is right at the very least I may I don't know if I like Evelyn or or not yet I don't know if I would make the same choices that she's made but fuck if I don't respect this woman right for getting herself to where she is which seems to be exactly where she wants to be yeah it's it's so fascinating because as I was reading it, and I read it just in one sitting, so I, I took it all in, and I'm still kind yeah. of digesting everything. When I would read certain things that she would do, or the things that she would say, I kept saying, you go. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Keep saying that. Yeah. Keep being honest. Keep being truthful. Because it's a lot of things that, again, and going back to three women, we don't talk about these things. There's a lot of there's mm. a lot of honesty that comes through this that I'm not necessarily judging her because even at the beginning, Evelyn says to Monique, make sure that you're going to get paid more than a white man would. Yes. Writing make this them book. pay right. you what they would pay a white man. I fucking love that. So it's it's a lot of things that if you have to. It's a choice that she made how she got there. But if it's really what she wanted to do and she was able to make her dreams come true or accomplish those goals, why not? Mm-hmm. By also being now living in her truth and saying, yes, mm-hmm. there was competition. Yes, there were sex, lies and drugs and all of that shit. Let it all out. But at least be honest with yourself right. that you had to go through that to actually get what you needed to get done and that you were willing to do it and and. And you made it through to a place. It seems that she's also helping Monique find that respect for herself, too. Completely. She's paying it forward. Like what you just said, you know, I insist you be ruthless in your negotiating and and, then calling to light the fact that Monique is being used at her workplace or because they don't think that she's like the top tier. So they keep holding her back for this job. Yeah. 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 There's a quote. Uh, that I also wanted to bring up, the world respects people who think they should be running it. And this is Mm. Monique is saying this when she's contemplating whether or not to go 
through with this when she's talking to mm-hmm. Frankie. Frankie's her boss, right? That's the name Frankie's of Frankie's her boss. Yes. Yeah. So the world respects people who think they should be running it. I never understood that, but I'm done fighting it. That's a good one. There's yeah. a lot of... Yeah. There are some great quotes. Yeah. I love Evelyn also says, oh, I know the world... I know the whole world prefers a woman who doesn't know her power. So like you're saying, she does know her power and she owns that and she's not afraid of that. And I think that's why I like her so much, as we're saying, even though she's built herself up in the way she has, Mm. I I do respect her because she's she's there now and she's she's a boss in my eyes. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yeah, I will say also, she seems to, from a very young age, know exactly what she wants. And she knows what she's willing to trade for that. Mm -hmm. And I think because she's so clear on that, she's able to protect herself from getting hurt. And she has a little bit of luck in that. Too. She doesn't get assaulted when she probably very easily could, could have. have been by some of these studio execs so, yeah. you know, so far. So she has a little bit of luck. But then I think also like she just knows what her end game is. And so it's almost she's she's only making trades that she knows she can handle hmm. emotionally and physically like she's not grabbing onto more than she can chew, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, I never have any sense that she's putting herself out there when she can't handle it, when she can't handle the repercussions of what she's doing. Even though with Don Adler, with her second husband, I think. God damn Don Adler. <laughs> like she kind of swooped in there. <laughs> Yeah. To a certain degree. I, she finally starts feeling the lust and the love that she hadn't felt before. Yeah. And it kind of manipulates her thinking of like of mm-hmm. her being in control. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had the sense and tell me if you guys thought differently. But I had the sense that in meeting Dawn, she thought she had found an equal. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like in the beginning that they were equals. Totally. And I think she married him. Thinking that. While they were equals. Yes. And then once his once his start started to dim a little bit mm. is when she realized that they're not equals because if she's more powerful than him, he's going to retaliate, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which leaves her in a really bad spot. Mm-hmm. But I do think they were I do feel like they were in love. Like, do you guys feel like that was false? No, I think they were in love in the get at the beginning, even though they were kind of. It was a setup. By the studio, it was something yeah. that we have these two rising stars. Well, he was more already an established star. She was rising. Right. But we have these two good-looking people. They kind of need to feed off of each other to make it to the next level. Right. But they found love. I think she was in love. We don't know what. Don was certainly okay. acting as if he was in love. Hmm. I feel better about that because I was going to say, I don't, I don't know that this was actual love. And because... The thing that really grossed me out was that um, like preemptive proposal when he was like, I want to propose right. to you, but I want to make sure that you're going to say yes. Because yes? to oh. me, I read that as I'm not going to do it if you're going to say no, because I don't want the embarrassment of, of yeah. you denying me. And so it like took away the magic of what could have been like a really romantic proposal. An incredibly romantic Like proposal. if that were me, I would have been like, fuck you. Like you just ruined my... My proposal, you know, like it's so interesting because I read it the complete opposite. I was hit with the shock of like the aftermath when like, I mean, I shouldn't I I shouldn't say I was hit with the shock because I kind of figured that he would eventually like because she had what five other husbands afterwards. But (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. There was something very intimate about him. I saw him as like insecure and being like, I just want to yes, make sure you say sure. yes to me, that you're going to say yes. And I'm not going to look like a dick or like a, like an, or be really embarrassed or like an asshole in front of everybody else. But he kind of did it beforehand. But see, to me, that's what that's what I didn't like is that he did that to protect himself, to right. save his face so that he and wouldn't so be embarrassed. Doing, he ruined this incredible moment for her. Because yeah, then she knew it was going to come. As opposed to just, like, taking the risk and, like, risking maybe looking like an idiot if she had said no. Yeah. And to your point, Emma, 
it kind of almost proved he was doing this for the cameras because yeah. he could have just done it right then. Right. Picking her up to go to this premiere or whatever it was. But he didn't. He wanted to do it for show. He wanted everybody to see it. He just wanted to make sure. Yeah. His star would continue to rise after. I don't think I could ever date an actor. I mean, now now I'm married. So, like, hopefully I don't have to worry about that again. Yeah. But if if the hopefully tune had not changed. not talking about you six husbands later. <laughs> 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 I'm <laughs> but I think... Or or say um, or say that I wasn't married now, but and and I did meet you know a Hollywood star, and we fell in love. I think I would have a really hard time marrying a Hollywood celebrity. There's so much face, and there's so much, there's so many secrets, and there's so many games, and mm. I don't know that that just it feels very unsafe to me. We should ask our husbands this question. What? Not. I mean, we're not like celebrities. Oh, what it's like dating but an we're actor? Actors. We're actors. Yeah. So it's like they they were willing to give into that because they know the kind of human beings we are at at our heart. Like where where we lie, it's we're pretty genuine, honest people. So if you were really in love with someone who was, yes, the celebrity, you knew that there were certain things that's part of the contract that that person might need to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if they're honest with you and you love them, wouldn't you go for it? Well, it's funny you say that because Ricardo is, has brought up to me before that he was a little nervous that if I did become really famous, mm-hmm. like if I were to become a Hollywood star, he is nervous about having a relationship with someone at that level, you know, like um, what that does to your private life, you know, and how yeah. you're always in the public eye. And 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 I, I'm assuming probably there's also a part of that that makes him worry that I would lose some genuine, like, authentic, authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I totally understand. I also don't think it's very fair because hopefully, like, I know that I wouldn't, or I think, mm. I wouldn't change as a person who I am, mm. but I don't know that until I'm in the situation. Until like there, there are, there could be circumstances in which that does sculpt totally. how I feel about things or how I respond to things. And, and I don't know that, but I, I totally understand that fear of what that yeah. means to be with someone sure. who's in that limelight. Sure. Yeah. I think I'm the only one of the three of us who is in the unique position mm-hmm. of being an actor who is, Married to someone who, until very recently, was, was an, an actor. actor. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's interesting because Jason does say he always, and I was the same way, I always shied away from dating other actors mm-hmm. because this is terrible, but there's definitely a stigma about what mm. an actor is like as a person or is like as a person to date. Mm-hmm. And totally. I don't think Jason or I or either of you, ever sort of fell into that category of the stereotypical (laughs) stigma of what Mm -hmm. an actor is today. Mm -hmm. But I do find myself like kind of constantly, maybe to the point of being obnoxious with him sometimes. I hope not. But (laughs) I do find myself constantly having to be like, you know, will comment on how much somebody works in a week or something. And he'll be like, oh, my God, that's so much. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. That'll be what it's like when I'm a series regular. Like, <laughs> I, I find myself having to be like, that's what life will be Beetle. like when we're there. Mm-hmm. Like, at some point, mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. And I'm going to be a series re- and I'm going to work 18 hours. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. And I think you would be one of those celebrities when you do get there for the series regular role that we're all going to be like, Brandy Bravo. (laughs) But I think I have a lot of respect for those celebrities or A-listers who do keep their private life private. And these tabloids and and people in general, these fans, they want to know more about their lives. But I respect that they don't allow that to be out in the public, that Mm -hmm, they separate their own life with what mm. they see or their persona that they project, depending yeah. on what role they're doing. That's a good, that's a really good point. One of the couples that I really admire who has managed to make that work, who are both actors, mm. 
is Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick. They're both massive movie stars and have been for such a long time. But when I've, I've read interviews with them before where they're asked, like, what do you think the secret is to how long you've been married and all this when you're both in the public eye and stuff? And they both say, well, we don't live in Hollywood. Like, we don't live. Right. Mm-hmm. We essentially they're saying like we don't let that into our lives Mm -hmm. like we're actors who do acting we do the work and then we go away and that's it. They're very lucky that That they they have do that the star power Mm -hmm. where they can just disappear and everybody still knows who they are and remembers them. But I've just always admired that they don't seem to be out there for the attention. Mm Well, this is a perfect segue for me <laughs> okay. because I had a Tell question us. for you that I feel like has to come out of this conversation. All right. Okay. So there's a quote in the book that we read to bring it back to the book a little bit. <laughs> I know this is all tied to what we're reading because bring we're finally back, reading Emma. about someone who's an actor. But yeah, right. Um, Evelyn has this great quote. She says, Sometimes I think the difference between an actress and a star is that the star feels comfortable being the very thing the world wants her to be. And I felt comfortable being both innocent and suggestive. I thought about that quote for a while after reading it. Yeah. First of all, I think it's interesting that she separates actresses and stars. Like, if you're a star, you're not a genuine actress, which I don't agree with. But second of all, I thought about this duality of being innocent and suggestive in relation to how I'm, I've compared my journey in acting to Amy Adams, mm-hmm. <laughs> not that I'm anywhere near her level, but I but feel I like... But I could totally see that. I can see that. Completely. Oh, oh ladies. Yes. Mm. Well, I say this because, you know, her first several film roles were all innocence and society yeah. deemed her America's sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And then she busted mm-hmm. out with American Hustle and everyone was like, yeah. oh, she can be sexy too. And then right. her career skyrocketed. Powerful. Mm. Oh, yes. Amazing. And everyone was shocked by that, you know, as if yeah. like she she only had that one color. Mm-hmm. And it's the same journey that Harry Cameron was trying to create for Evelyn. Establish yourself as this type of actress and then wow everyone with what else is in your bag. Mm-hmm. Right. So I wanted to ask the two of you if either of you have ever struggled with how you represent yourself as an actor. And does that differ from how you see yourself as a person? Mm. Second part to that, you know I love a two-part question. <laughs> <laughs> Do either of you envision yourselves as actresses or stars in the making? Oof. Do you see a a difference between the two? Well, it's interesting that you read that distinction the way that you did because I didn't see it as her saying you're either a star or you're an actress. Like, you can't be both things. I more so saw it as her saying, like, you can be an actress, but to be a star is something else. Like I saw her saying, not just anybody can be a star. Mm -hmm. She's a star and she's an actress, Mm -hmm. which we sort of see coming into play at the end of these chapters when she's going into Little Women. Mm -hmm. Right. And she and Celia strike up this deal, (laughs) which I'm very Uh, curious about. But it is interesting because in that moment, she is calling herself as not being as good of an actress. Right. But she's a star. She's already a star, but she but knows that's like she showing can... that it's like suggesting that those are two different like I'm a but star, I... but I'm not as good of an actress. But I think what's interesting about the deal that they make is that Evelyn is saying I'm a star, but Celia can help me become a better actress. Mm-hmm. Celia's a great actress, but Shh. I can help her become, become a, star. a star. Right. So she's not saying they're mutually exclusive. She's just saying they're different things. They're different mm-hmm. skills to develop. Hmm. Um. I, I, it's the way I read it. I see, I see um, that. But to answer your question, I think it's so interesting because I've struggled, you know how it is when you're trying to become an actor and you're trying to like, quote unquote, brand yourself as something right. or whatever the ridiculous term is. Mm-hmm. And I found myself fighting so hard against things sometimes that I just naturally, instinctually am. Mm-hmm. And I've been finding it more and more recently that, like, I just am those things, but I run away from them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why. And I don't think I don't think that's something specific to actors. I think that's something people do Hmm. because they're afraid to just be who they are. Mm -hmm. They're afraid to hurt people's feelings. Mm -hmm. They're afraid to make people feel small because, 
you know, for what any number of reasons. Sure. I think we sometimes dim our own light because we're afraid other people will feel dimmed when actually other people have their own light, too. They don't mm-hmm. need your light. Their own spark. They have their own spark. We all have our own spark. So you just need to, to have your spark. We all have it. Mm-hmm. So Aww. you don't need to be worried about dimming somebody else's because yours is bright. Yeah. They're all bright. Yeah. So that's something that I've really weirdly through quarantine, I feel like I've found is like you can just be what you are mm-hmm. and that's okay. And mm-hmm. you don't have to be scared of it. It's just already what it is. You're just doing extra work to cover it up. Can right? can I ask you, do you think that's why you, because you've always been, I mean, as long as I've known you, you've been successful as an actor <laughs> gradually. Oh my God. Babe. But I feel that during quarantine, you kind of have hit your strut because there's been a little bit more of like this. I have booked some weird jobs during quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> But there, there's something about that that says a lot because if you if you emotionally and mentally have kind of shifted and accepted mm-hmm. who you are without that having to overshadow the people around you because that's not what you're trying to do. You're just accepting who you are. Mm. That might have been like kind of like the the stepping stone to where you are now at. I, I think kind of circling back to Emma's question the key is where you find yourself comfortable. If you're comfortable accepting how others perceive you, and it's not necessarily who you genuinely are, but you're okay Mm. with that, you can move forward Mm -hmm. and you can be that star that you want to be or reach stardom. But it's so hard to get to that place. And I feel like we're at a, the three of us are at a place of just like finding the balance Mm -hmm. again. I'm going to bring up the whole balance again of where we can be comfortable with who we are as human beings, but also being comfortable is how we're perceived. Because unfortunately, the industry can see us as a specific type. And that's not who in our heart of hearts, that's who we, we are. are. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. my struggle is I feel like both of you, because you guys know me so well, that I'm someone who's full of heart, full of like I'm, yeah. I'm more on the innocent side. Mm-hmm. But my appearance yeah. is more of sex power yeah. strength mm-hmm. yes and a which lot of times can do which i can't do and if i want i could play a tree like meryl streep didn't she say she could play a tree? i could play whatever you want me to play but who i am my essence and the uniqueness that i would bring to the role would be a lot of heart unfortunately yeah. my mm-hmm. appearance doesn't it precedes me so then i am seen as very way. sexy and powerful and confident. Mm. So it's finding again how comfortable Which I can you be. Which you are also Which too. I am. That's what I just said. just have yeah. an additional twist. Yeah. On that. Yeah. That sometimes people don't immediately yeah. see. So it's hard because if like, if let's say, if Brandy and I are put in a room with, because she already is showcasing that power and that sex appeal, which I know that you've kind of gotten into that place where it's like, this is who I am because we've had these conversations before (laughs) right (laughs) and then you exude that I'm still I can look that but my your essence my essence is not necessarily that so I'm not bringing my uniqueness my the honesty the the how genuine I am to that particular part of me, that color of myself. Mm -hmm. So then you would get that role. And if I'm with Emma, Emma has exudes this innocence, this naivete that because of how she looks, that I don't necessarily look that way. But if you give me a little bit of time, you could see that come out. So Mm, it's just, it's kind of like kind of figuring out where to showcase that. Mm-hmm. And interestingly for Emma, yes, while she exudes that innocence, but she has that that's power. not what's going on. Exactly. I'm a Scorpio. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> There's fire everywhere. Yeah. The struggle is real. <laughs> the struggle is real. I had a question oh. about Evelyn's second husband, oh. goddamn Don Adler. <laughs> oh, Don. Donnie. Who begins their relationship as an angel. Hmm. But shortly after their marriage, Evelyn realizes that Don is only an angel when things are going well in his career. Hmm. When they're not, he becomes physically abusive. So I'm curious, have either of you ever been in a relationship with a goddamn Don Adler? (laughs) 
someone who was not necessarily physically abusive, but whose personality changed when things were bad or who didn't like to see you doing well? I absolutely did. Yeah. Uh, And I don't think either of you know about this boyfriend. So my boyfriend during my sophomore and junior year of college, he was Mm. a dancer. He was a year above me. So he was a junior, senior at the time. He was definitely a Don Adler type. He was never physically abusive. But I found myself falling over heels with this guy as Evelyn did. Hmm. in the like at the start of our relationship because we went to school together we danced together we traveled together we went to study abroad for a summer for two a month and a half we were in spain together dancing traveling all over touring like the bachelorette (laughs) i i actually like remember our relationship as being like part of like the dirty dancing movie like just when we're touring all over spain dancing and having like our our yeah anyway cute (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing. We were really infatuated with each other's talents, with our passion, with our drive. He looked like he was like a dance god in a way, but definitely he was not an angel by no means. Mm. He loved being in control. And I realized Mm. that later on when things didn't go his way, he, he was just extremely demanding. And I look back on the two years that we spent together and I feel like I lost me during that time. That's hard. And that was a very, it kind of overlapped when I was like trying to get over my eating disorder that we spoke about last, you know, with the last book. So Mm -hmm. I was like having to deal with someone who was very supportive in what I did and loved me, but also wanted me to do things his way and used Mm -hmm. me as his like muse and inspiration, but only the way he wanted me to be Mm -hmm. and I will never I don't regret having a relationship with him I don't regret having the experiences that I had with him because I think I I did eventually see or learn that I wasn't my honest authentic self with him and Andrew actually came right after oh so I remember um when Andrew and I got married in the Catholic Church, but we also did like a, a, an outdoors toast at sunset where we kind of exchanged vows again. Aww. And I remember telling him that he had found the Mariana that I lost along the way. Aww. And now I realize that the Mariana that I lost, it was not necessarily because of like the struggles that I went with my appearance. It was more because of like those struggles, but more so with a person that didn't really see me for who I was. And Mm -hmm. he ended up seeing me. Yeah. I also had a a college goddamn Don Adler. A college, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, he wasn't physically abusive, but he, he was a jazz musician. And I think with that comes some kind of, like, troubled, dark... Mm artist soul Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know that that we understand but yeah it's a struggle yeah and and it was an extra struggle for him he was a guitarist and he was brilliant and he had a hand injury which no one could figure out what it was and he tried everything but he wasn't able to play and when he lost that his whole personality Mm. changed so was he not able to play at all anymore I have no idea. He's not on Facebook, oh. so I can't stalk huh. him. Yeah. Um, and we didn't end very amicably, so I don't, you know, we never, we haven't spoken since. We don't mm. ever reach out to each other. Mm. So I don't know. I hope he is because he was, he was a brilliant guitarist. Um, but it was, it was really heartbreaking to watch him go through that of course. because he was losing his passion. Mm. But also, oh. he, he lost his light. Mm. And in losing his light, mm-hmm. he lost his joy and love with me. Mm. Um, at least how he was portraying it. You know, I didn't feel like I couldn't talk to him. He wouldn't open up to me about anything. And, and we went through a lot of hardships together in his personal life while we were together. And every time he just shut down and shut down and shut down. 
Hmm. And he was, it's not that he wasn't supportive of my career, but there was a moment where he almost broke up with me when we were having a conversation about what if I had to be naked in a production. Hmm. And he could not handle that. And he almost broke up with me in case wow. I were to be naked. What? In in a in a project. That's insane. And so that for me was like, well, this is never gonna work out because if he not. doesn't understand that, right. you know. Right. Um and then I was in another relationship not that long ago with my first actor. Hmm. Uh aside from like my high school actor boyfriends who don't count, oh. and most of them were gay. But this was the first time I dated an actor in my adult life, and it was it was really challenging because while we supported each other's career, I always kind of felt like there was this sense that he was really jealous when I was making moves when he when he didn't feel like he was progressing. You know, when we weren't moving at the same level, which you never do because it's always a roller coaster. Of course. But that was really hard because he would be like, I'm so happy for you. Like, I'm so proud of you. But I always felt like there was something underneath that I was like, but are you? Yeah, are you really? Yeah. Which is why, you know, I brought up earlier, I don't think I could date an actor again just uh, unless they're like so sure in themselves. But uh, but what yeah. actor really is so sure in themselves? Know. You know, we're all mm – -hmm. um, we're all as sure as like the number of current auditions we have. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that was one of the more beautiful things that I remember reading after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. I read this incredible article about the relationship she had with her yes. husband. Yes. Who also was a judge. Yes. And I read in that article, you know, something along the lines of him always being there. To cook her dinner mm -hmm. after the end of a long day, even when he himself wasn't yeah. really able to eat or didn't have much of an appetite and how supportive he was of her while she was doing the job that he very much would have liked to have had for himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was so fucking beautiful. Mm -hmm. Agreed. That he could love her that much while she had the job that he essentially wanted and just was never going to have. He was never going to get that job. That is unconditional selfless I mean, love. Yeah. Because that has to be hard. Yeah, it has to be hard. But also, like, he clearly just must have seen how fucking brilliant mm -hmm. she was. Right. And he must have just loved her for that. And I mean, it's RBG. that the world did too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But a man that wasn't very secure in himself would have completely been like, you're shining. Your light is shining. Your spark is there. Bye. I, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Which is interesting because I feel like women are so often put in that position and are expected to support. But men just haven't don't have been to. in that position. Mm -hmm. And so they don't. They don't. Right. Do, mm -hmm. I guess. Did you have a goddamn Don Adler, Brandy? Well, of course I did. <laughs> of course, of course. If you're a woman, you must have had a Don Adler. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as what both of you are saying. I think, th I think the thing that was most shocking to me about my Don Adler was I, I was, n I was not familiar with the term gaslighting mm. while oh. I was in this relationship. But after coming out of it and learning that term. I realized how much I had been subjected to that behavior huh. for years and years and years. And like what an effect that can have on you, even when you feel like you're a perfectly sane, capable individual. You know, if you constantly have somebody telling you otherwise or spoon feeding you their version of reality you know, if you're a compassionate person who is taking that in and mm -hmm. questioning yourself and saying like, oh, my God, is that what's happening? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're internalizing that stuff, you're bound to change and you're bound to become a different person in a in a really kind of horrifying way. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was my Don Adler hmm. struggle was somebody who was just constantly gaslighting when I didn't realize that that's what that's was happening. happening. And then once I finally came out of it, I was like, oh, my God, like, I've been led to believe that I'm a completely different person mm -hmm. than who I am all these years. I've really enjoyed this book thus far in the, you yeah. know, 98 or 99 pages we've read. 
But it was page 97 where I really started to like, oh, where things like started what to What happened feel on like, page 97? I don't yeah. remember. Tell us. <laughs> I just wrote page 97. Well, I have to say around that time is where Celia comes into the picture because Evelyn finally lands Little Women, which is what she's wanted from the start. She from wanted this yeah. major, Also, huge... I have a problem with that. Joe, she played Joe, mm. and yeah. she had like a short, like blonde bob, and it maybe just doesn't... She pay... Maybe she colored her hair. We don't know what she did to get know. Joe. I have a very it close connection like... to Little Women, and I was like... How? It seems like yeah. Evelyn is willing to do anything. anything. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. Joe is not some sexed up, like, you know, thing that Evelyn. But this was supposed to be the role that turned Evelyn right. Right. around. So we don't know. What I thought was really interesting about this moment, though, is that this is the moment where Evelyn and her friend, I think it's Ruby. Yeah. Encounter Celia St. James for the first time, Mm. who is this young actress who is very celebrated for for her acting chops and all this. And Evelyn and Ruby want Celia off this project specifically (laughs) because they think she's so good that she's going to outshine them, and this is supposed to be their star vehicle. Mm -hmm. But I, what I loved is that. There was no catty jealousy in this moment. They openly own their feelings about how talented she is without feeling the need to diminish her. And then by the end of these chapters, Evelyn has befriended her. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really refreshing and cool that she owns how much she admires somebody else. And for that reason, maybe isn't Mm -hmm. their best friend, but she respects them. Enough to befriend them. That's if true. That makes any sense? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she turns that car around. Yeah, in a way, in she's also teaching Celia, being like, "Yeah, you're you're trying to play a game, and you're going about it all wrong. Let me mm-hmm. teach you how to play the game, and we'll figure this thing out together." I'll teach you the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So exactly, she's not blocking her out of it. No. She's saying, "I can help you, but mm-hmm. like, we're gonna call a spade a spade right. here." Let's be honest with one another. Right. And isn't Evelyn only like 19 or something at this point? I can't. I don't know how old she well, is. Well, she married Don when she was 19. So she's got it. Yeah, so she can't be much like older. 20. 20, maybe? 21? At yeah, most. And she's she playing just, Joe. She seems so. to carry herself with such grace and, and like old soul charm yes. but she's so young like I forget how young she really is yeah you're right you know what I that. wanted to say that I found really cool how they inputted those like fabricated fictional articles of what the people were like the out, oh. the outside people what they were reading as opposed to what was actually happening because right mm. then when she marries Don there's like this article about like well why haven't they had children like Don is sitting at home waiting for kids oh, and right. that made me think about you Brandy uh, <laughs> And she's out and about with Celia, her new best friend. Like, why is she at home right. making babies? Yeah. Making babies. I thought that was really cute, the way that that's being yeah. played out in the novel. Yeah. So as I was reading these chapters, I realized that I was picturing Jane Fonda in my <laughs> mind as Evelyn Hugo. Mm. She's a symbol to me of a woman who is take charge, charismatic, elegant. She's a badass activist. She lives life on her own terms Mm. and she's aging beautifully in just about every way possible. So I found myself wondering who have you ladies cast in the role of Evelyn Hugo (laughs) as you read this book? If anyone. I've been picturing Audrey Hepburn. Oh. Especially in the depiction of of the outfits that she's wearing. You know, like the, the tight... I think it was a turtleneck with like the high waisted oh, pants. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just and like you know her long neck. I just yeah. And she was a humanitarian. Oh, yeah, so she was also a, a do gooder. I love that. Yeah, I could totally see her. I could totally see Jane Fonda. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm thinking, Rita Moreno. Oh, even though ah. Rita Moreno didn't change her because she's like she's all like take on like full charge Latina. Yeah. But she started way back then, and she's been a powerhouse oh, sure. ever yeah. since. And she Ooh, is that's a good one. fucking gorgeous. Yeah. 
Like she She's also she aged very well. Exactly. She hasn't aged a day. All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have an insight or a question that you'd like us to discuss, shoot us an email at arethesebooksdrunk at gmail.com. Yeah, we have an email address. Yes. yes. Use it. <laughs> we are an open book. And oh, we would no love. pun intended. <laughs> we would love to hear your thoughts, what you agree or disagree with, or what maybe you think we've missed during our Hola de Felicidad discussion. Yeah. Next week, we'll be discussing chapters 16 through 30. Keep following us on Instagram at Are These Books Drunk to keep up with next week's cocktail pairing so that you can read along and sip along with us. Because it's always happy hour. Ha, ha, ha.